Man, it has been a minute. Is it still cool to say that since I've been here? Man, I, I can kind of see your faces, but there's some that I haven't seen in a while. It is good to be at the Valley. I'd love to say hello to our West Side, um, even though they're not watching me. I'm going to say hello anyways. Maybe some of them are on holidays. But it, it is really, really good to, hear, to be here. First thing is I want to I wanna honor Pastor Andy. He is, he is a dear friend, and don't we love how he's leading us so much so? And um, also, I love to honor Pastor Brent. He is actually in the house today, and I'm going to get him to hand me, Pastor Brent, if you want to hand me that, that fishing rod, he's been holding one for probably about three weeks. So did that just throw? <laughs> that could have been bad. We were just joking about this hook getting caught in me all service and me trying to do it. Anyway, Pastor Brent, we love you. Um, we are glad that you had a break and stuff, but we are really glad that you're back. Amen, church? We cannot wait for what he has for us this fall. It is awesome. Well, I, like I said, my name's Pastor Adam, and I, uh, I have the privilege of pastoring at our West Side location, and it is absolutely amazing. And I wish I could, they already started my clock, but I wish I could fill you in on what God is doing in this church and through this church. The West Side, things are going fantastic. I also have the opportunity to lead and pastor Celebrate Recovery with Julie and a full team. And it, it is awesome, church. I know you guys are praying for all our different ministries in the church, but I'm super passionate about one particular, um, and that's Celebrate Recovery. And coming into this new season and coming out of a 16-month mess, that ministry is going to be needed more than ever. So if I could ask one thing before I jump in, could you please, please be praying for that ministry? And if you need that ministry, please come, and we will welcome you, we will feed you, we will love on you, and then the Holy Spirit will transform your life. And, and being the leader and, and part of Celebrate Recovery, they have a whole bunch of different material, and I'm going to use a little bit of that today, and so it's not all original, but it, it is absolutely amazing. And about four weeks ago, um, I knew I was preaching, and God started to work in my soul, and started to speak to me uh, about what I needed to talk about. And the title of our talk today is going to be, What's the Plan?, and I'll get into that in a few seconds. And on vacation, um, we love to fish. And we have a family cottage. And I, I have awesome. I have seven nephews, I think. And I have two boys. And the cottage, I love watching them come out of the basement door, single file, every one of them with a fishing rod. Every one of them. So you can imagine, they're this big to this big. Not the fishing rods, them. So, so they're walking out. And as they're walking out, I just know what is going to happen. My anxiety level goes up because I spend my whole summer, my whole vacation untangling fishing line. <laughs> untangling fishing line. Like it starts and they think they're, they're awesome and they do it and then it goes and then it goes. And you see this, right? Dad's mom's, you know, right? And instead of doing it right, that bam. Look, already it's wound up. And then they pull it off. And then they pull it off. And it's getting tangled. And Uncle Adam's down there trying to figure this out. And instead of just waiting, they pull more off. And they pull more off. Because if I just pour more And as, and I, I'm not joking. I'm standing down there with this mess. And my cute little nephew, Jack, he is so amazing. And I, I broke the news to him. It was so funny. We, he's down there fishing. And he's making fun of me fishing because I'm not catching any fish. And he's a way better fisherman than me. He's like six. And so now I'm offended, so i got to hurt his feelings. So anyway, he's six years old. And anyway, I say, whatever. I said, Jack, do you realize for the first five years of your life you fished with no hook on your line? And the look on his face, it, it just sucked the life out of him. He was like, he goes, 
what? I said, yeah, your father right there, that guy, just put a weight on the end of it. And you would stay on the end of that dock and you would cast for hours. He goes, well, I would never catch a fish. I said, I know. And the life just sucked out of him and the poor little kid. And then doesn't he grab his rod and zzz, wham, and grabs a big one and makes fun. He says, told you I was a better fisherman than you. Uh, anyway, but this mess, and as I'm sitting there, no joke, my, my, my nephew Xavier isn't allowed to touch a fishing rod. Like he's just not allowed near one. Because I spend the whole time doing this. And as I was untangling this and I, I just looked at this mess and I, and I was just thinking about preaching and how much I love church and how much I love Jesus and because I had to be thinking about how much I love Jesus, or these turned into whipping sticks um, and sword fights. Uh, I just looked at the mess and I said, man, I, I, I love preaching to the mess. And I love, I love bringing my mess to Jesus, don't you? Hands online. I do, I, I love, and you know what? You're always, always, and we are always, always welcome to bring our mess to Jesus. And I love watching Jesus transform it. I love watching Jesus use it. And it's awesome. But as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, man, what if I brought Jesus into the process and avoided a little bit of this mess? Maybe if I spent a little bit of time with the kids and showed them how to use these things, right, it wouldn't look like this in two seconds. Maybe if I came alongside of them, spent time with them and showed them actually how to do this, we'd all enjoy it more. If I, if I actually spent some time in the process and it made me think, maybe if I brought God and Jesus into my process, the planning of my life, maybe I'd be able to fulfill the plan he has for me. See, like fishing and with my kids and spending time and teaching them how to do this, Jesus wants to spend time with you. And he wants to teach you how to do life. Because life is not easy. And if there's one thing we know over the last 16 months, life has been hard. And it has been disappointing. And it's also been amazing. And we've seen God show up and do amazing things. We're seeing ministries like our youth group and our kids' ministries and new volunteers and celebrate recovery and people getting saved and baptized. Despite of what the world's throwing at us, God always shows up. Always. Always. So today we're going to look at, at a story in Nehemiah, and it's a really, really, really practical message. And there's a whole, whole bunch of notes. So take a screenshot of the notes. Write them down in your phone. I'm serious. If this isn't helping you today, it will help you. It will help you. So what's the plan? Maybe if I took, you know, five seconds and spent time with Jesus, those, or, or rather than those bad decisions in five seconds, I, I would prevent five years of heartache. Right, so I'm going to ask you the question today, you know, what's the plan? What is your plan? What is the plan? And the, and the first thing, wh why should I plan? I love just to go through life and, and just... Play it like, like Forrest Gump. Life's like a box of chocolates. You never know which one you're going to get. No, it's not. It isn't. Like life throws things at us, but God has a plan and a purpose for us. So the first thing, we're going to move fast because there's a lot of information here. But, you know, first thing, why should I plan? The first reason is because God makes plans. God makes plans. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I'll just reference this. It says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If you're not living life, if you're not planning life, then you're just, you're just drifting. You're just moving through life. The second one is God says to plan. God says to plan. God tells us to plan. It says in Proverbs, mark out a straight path for your feet. What does that mean? It means mark out a straight path for your feet. 
Mark out a path for your feet and stick to the path and stay safe. First Corinthians, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. The third one before we jump into our actually steps to planning a better life is I won't waste my life. So God makes plans. God tells us to plan. And so I won't waste my life. Our life, this very moment, you being here is a gift from God. Sometimes I I just forget how blessed and how lucky we are just sitting there with our pastor. We were just saying that we get to do this in the middle of the summer. We get to come in vacation time. We get to worship and praise our Lord. Regardless of the season or the circumstance, he's healing us. I don't want to waste my life. My life is a gift from him. I don't want to waste it. You know, our life is a gift from God. And what we do with our life is a gift back to God. So what is, what is your plan? See, if we have no plans, then our life has no order to it. It's just that I know for some of you, you may think, oh, plan this way. I'm, I, if, if we have no plans, our life has no order. It really is. So what plans do you have? See, if we're not making God-inspired plans, if I'm not making God-inspired plans, I find myself falling in Adam-inspired plans. And I find myself even more dangerously, I'm in Adam-inspired plans, and I think they're God-inspired plans. Because Adam's plans, you know, they, they got to happen quicker. I, I think they're way cooler. They're not near as painful. And I definitely don't want to process, process it. I just want to do it. And I want you guys to do most of it for me, my family. So I know plans don't always work out. They don't. Plans don't always work out, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't plan. And, and, and part of the fear over the past 16 months or however long it's been, I'm losing track, is that we've made so many plans and we haven't been able to follow through that we just stopped planning. It, like for me, like I, I'm an ADD guy. I, I don't plan. Like, I, like ask uh, Pastor Seth Cooney that works with me. Like I, and this is something I need to work in. I can tell you there was way more. When there's order in my life, there's order in my spirit. And it gives room for God to move and God to work. So over this past season, we've made a lot of plans that haven't worked out, right? And I know coming in to this new season, we got a whole bunch of our plans that, we, that need to work out, that we're excited to do. But we need to be in this season making God-inspired plans. God-inspired plans for our life. You know, God doesn't want us to resume our old life. I don't want to go back to the person I was before COVID or even during COVID. I know God has more for me, and I know he does for you. So God doesn't want us to resume our own life, but he wants us to reboot it. Like, we have a unique, amazing, special opportunity that, that hasn't been had maybe forever. Like, we as believers have something the world needs more than ever. We're walking into a season of, of new and fresh, and people are willing and accepting the love of Jesus if we're willing to offer it and love people. You know, God, I, I just hear the simple stuff today. God wants to do great things through your life. Do, do you really believe God wants to do great things through your life? You might feel disqualified. God doesn't disqualify people. He doesn't. He wants to call you to something greater. Follow Jesus and watch what he will do with your life. And until you have a burden, until you have a deep burden of what God wants you to do, you know, and a plan, the enemy will always try to have a foothold in your life. So, 
you've heard me talk, God plans, God tells us the plans, and so I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste my life. God will use my past life for his glory, and I love that, and it's awesome. And, and God will, will come in the mess and restore us, and I love being able to take him the mess, but God wants to spend time with Adam to help prevent the mess. And when I'm in the mess, if my relationship is strong and good with him, and I have a God-ordained plan, I'm way apt, way more apt to move forward. You know, me failing to plan, I have two boys. You know, my failing to plan can really affect them. My failing to, to learn how to be a godly father and to raise these kids, I don't know where it is, maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're an aunt, you're an uncle, maybe you're a spiritual mom or dad, but you failing to actually dig in and, and have God-ordained plans affects those around you and not only your own life. In the book of Nehemiah, who's familiar with Nehemiah? It's a great story, right? It's just, it's, it's just awesome. I love it. So a little bit of a backstory, and we're going to look at this, and I know you're, I'm going to say seven steps, but don't freak out. They're going to go pretty quick. John Simons told me last week he has a message. He did 22 points. So that made me feel pretty good with my seven. But seven steps. So Nehemiah was a man, and he had a burden. He had a deep burden. So, so the Israelites, their, their city was destroyed, right? The, the town of Jerusalem was actually destroyed flat and the walls were torn down. They were in captivity and there was a season where a bunch of them were released and they, they chose to go back to their ruined city. And it, who's been part of something just ruined? So they, so they would go back to the city. It was destroyed and they were living there and they were living under so much stress and anxiety because there was no protection. There was nothing around the city to protect it. They tried to rebuild the temple, but it was never beautiful because they knew an unprotected city, people would just come in and take over. They were scared every night for their families, because people would just come and pillage that city, and there was about 50,000 there, and Nehemiah heard about this, that his people were hurting, and he, he had a burden within him that he could not get rid of. And that is part of the first part of the plan, is we, we need a burden. You need to have a passion, something that you wanna go after that you just cannot put aside. And Nehemiah had this burden, and he wanted to go back, but he was, he was working for the king in Persia. And he was a cupbearer. He had a very, um, some would say it's a cushy job. He was a wine tester. Some say he tested the wine to see if it was poison, but he was actually a bodyguard, so he probably had minions that did that for him. In any way, he wasn't able just to go back and accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. But he knew God gave him this burden that he was to go back and rebuild the gates, rebuild the city, and, and freshen up the temple and, and free his people, that God gave him that desire. So now that you know Nehemiah, we're going to look at verse uh, Nehemiah 1. Uh, verse 11 to about 2, 9, and some I'll paraphrase, but there's a seven-step planning model, and if you apply this to your life, um, God-ordained plans, you will come alive, and you'll, you'll have a better, more fruitful life coming into this new season. So the first step, the first step is you need to pray and ask for God's favor. Read that with me. Pray and ask for God's favor. What's God's favor? That's God's grace. What's God's grace? Getting what we don't deserve. All right? So we need to be praying and asking God in his favor on our life. It says in Nehemiah, it says, Lord, he's praying here, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was the cup bearer of the king. So he is praying and asking for favor 
over his life. So I don't, I don't know me. Like I ask you, what is your plan for the next six months? What is your plan for the next year? What, what is your plan? You might say, I don't have any plans. I don't know. And this is where Nehemiah was praying because he was about to go to the king and ask for what God put on his heart. And he knew he needed to be prayed up. So ask for God's favor in your life. And you know what? It's okay if you don't know your plan. The, the biggest like, deception is like, oh, I don't know my plan, so I'm just going to keep going through the enemy. That he'd love for you to just take steps nowhere. So pray and ask for God's favor on your life. What needs to be rebuilt in your life? What, what needs to be rebuilt? Maybe it's a broken marriage. So pray and ask for God's favor on that. Maybe what needs to be rebuilt in your community? What needs to be rebuilt in your ministry? What needs to be rebuilt? Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's your workplace. Ask God for a burden. Ask for his favor over it. We need to be praying. You cannot skip this step to be planning for a better life. We want to be moving forward in the season. So ask God for favor on your life. Tell God you have no plan. God, I have no plan. I need one. God, I have no plan. I, I, I'm so... I'm so confused, I don't even know where to begin to rebuild. If you pray long enough and ask God for favor and grace on your life, you will receive it. Don't give up. It says in James 1.5, if you want to know what God wants you to do, just ask him. Ask him. Ask him. What needs to be rebuilt in your life? So first... As we get the burden, we pray and we ask for God's favor on our life. So we know that Nehemiah wanted to go back and he's got a situation that he works for the king and that he's very important to the king and the king isn't going to let him go back. All right, so we have a burden for God in our life, for what God wants to do in our life and through our life. Step two is we need to prepare for the opportunity and wait. This is really a practical message. This has been huge for me, so write it down, take a picture of the screenshot, use it in your life. So we need to prepare for an opportunity and wait. So we don't want to just sit around. So we've prayed and we asked for God's favor and now we want to prepare for when he's going to answer it. All right, we don't want to just sit around. You know, when I, man, I was one of those. We, I just prayed and I didn't do anything about it. I tried to pray my addiction away, but I wasn't willing to do this. I was trying to pray healing on my marriage, but I wasn't willing to talk to somebody. Who, can anybody agree online? Like, we, we pray about these things, but we're not willing to do it. I pray that God's going to do something in my life, but I don't make an effort to go to church or serve. We need to be praying, and then we need to prepare for an opportunity, and we need to wait. And I hate waiting. I want it now. We need to be preparing. And this is four months later after this prayer. He has an opportunity, and now he's with the king. He's serving him his wine. And it says here, it says, four months later, when King Artaxerxes was dining, I took the wine. He had the opportunity, he was preparing, he was prayed up, and now he was before him and had the opportunity. You know, I hear people all the time say, oh, he has all the luck, he has all the opportunity. That, that is not true. I, I find the more I prepare, the luckier I get. <laughs> the, the more time I spend with Jesus in prayer and just asking and actually doing stuff, he, he just, things just start to happen in our lives, don't they? When we start to say yes to serving in babies... Things start to shift in us. When we start volunteering in youth or we start being that person at work, that encourager, the one that lifts people up, you know, great leaders make time to think. We need to take time. Serious thinking has to be intentional. So in the time that you're preparing for that opportunity, when you're preparing and waiting, be praying and just preparing your heart and doing something. Just don't sit around. And for the, the thing, don't quit. 
You might have to adjust how you're preparing and adjust as you're moving, but don't quit. Don't drop out. Don't give up. God has a plan and he has a purpose. You know, I don't get, I don't get opportunities. I don't get opportunities, Adam. I don't get opportunities. They are all around you. It's when we're not aligned with him, we miss out on so much. The, I'm telling you, opportunities are everywhere. But we get blind to them because of ourselves and our selfishness. It says in Proverbs 13, 16, a wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't, does even brag about it. That a fool will, will brag. You know, he doesn't look ahead, but actually brags about not planning. These scriptures are heavy and they're real and they're convicting. Step three, expect fear, but don't let it stop you. Expect fear and don't let it stop you. And the Bible says, it says after the four months, he gets the opportunity. So he's now with the king. So he prayed. He's prepped, and, we, and this is proof that he's prepping because now he has the opportunity. And this is one conversation, right? So he says, I was serving the king as wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. So Nehemiah has a vision to go back and rebuild this city to do what God's calling to do. And now he has an opportunity to ask the king and he is petrified and scared. Fear is part of the planning process. It is going to come. Ask any great leader about fear. And the reason Nehemiah was so scared, listen to this, he was petrified because in those days, if you were sad around the king, he cut your head off. (laughs) That probably won't happen today to you. Probably, depends where you're listening online maybe, but you're probably not going to get your kid cut off for being sad. So he was terrified, but he didn't let that stop him. I'm telling you, it probably would have stopped me. If I was going into Pastor Brent's office or Pastor Andy and asking for something and I knew if he knew I was sad, he was going to cut my head off, I'd probably just put a smile on my face and never ask, ask him what God wanted to do in my life or ask for permission or help or healing or hope. Expect fear, but do not let it stop you. Don't ever try to do, again, so practical, don't ever try to do what God has called you to alone. Nobody can do what God has called them to do alone. And you will be petrified, and there's seasons where you will be scared, but do not let it stop you. If you're going to be free, if you're going to go after what Jesus has for you, fear is going to come up. And we don't let it control us. We recognize it, and it's there, and we see what Nehemiah did with his fear. First thing he did with his fear, it says in uh, 2, 2, it says, I was scared, but I replied, long live the king. That's pretty smart, <laughs> considering his, <laughs> um, why shouldn't I be sad, he says, for the city where my ancestors were buried lies in ruins, and all its gates have been burned down. So what did Nehemiah do with his feelings? He admitted them. He admitted, his, if you're scared, admit it. Regardless of what you think the circumstances are, I can tell you the, the times in life when I've been so scared to, to tell the truth, Honesty brings opportunity, always. Lies don't. Hiding, stuffing will not bring opportunities in your life. So he admitted his feelings. The next thing he did is he prayed very quickly in the moment, like a lightning prayer. Like we've all said, hey God, if you get me out of this mess, I'll never drink again. God, if you get me out of this financial mess, I promise I'll never buy a Myers Buyer again. God, if you help me lose this weight, I'll never ever do this again. It's a lightning prayer. And we see it. The king replied, well, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to God in heaven. So in a moment, those prayers and moments are important. I walk into a lot of meetings or a lot of counseling sessions or even some business meetings, and I walk in, it's like, God, give me wisdom and give me hope and give me strength in this moment right now. Those prayers are important. Don't ever give up on those. And we see that in those moments of fear, 
We need to admit our feelings and we need to pray. Making sense? Are you tracking with me? Good, all right, you're writing all the stuff down. That's why you're quiet, I hope. So step four, establish a clear target. Establish a clear target. I, I believe that these steps are so important as we're coming into a new season and coming out of an old one. So establish a clear target. So after praying, the king answered. He says, what do you want? So at this time, when someone asks you, what do you want, do you know, do you know the answer? So now you've prepared, you've got the whole opportunity, and you're there, and you get through the fear, and they're like, what do you want? Uh, 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 I don't actually know what I really want. No, he, he was ready, and it says here, after praying, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, send me to the city of Judah, Jerusalem, where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. He knew exactly what he was asking for. He knew exactly what he was asking for. He was planned, he knew his target, he knew where he was going, and he knew what God called him to do. So again, I ask you, what do you want? What, what do you really want out of life? I asked myself this question, it was 4 a.m. in the morning when this stuff fell in my lap and I just couldn't shake it. Because I, I, I couldn't even, I don't, I had a hard time answering that. What do I really, I know I want my boys to be healthy and successful and have all the opportunities that they can have. I know I want to have a healthy marriage. But what do I really want in the next six months? What do you want God to do in the situation that is tearing your life apart in the next few months? It's a sobering question, isn't it? It is online, it is. What do you actually want? What is the thing that only God can do in your life? And I counsel people all the time and I'm sitting and we're counseling and we're talking and I'm like, what is it we actually want? And this is just making sense to me now. And they, they have no answer. Like I, I, we could talk all day, but there's, there's no plan behind this. You know, the biggest mistake that we, met too, we make is we make small goals. Like little tiny goals. We need to make big goals. Goals so big, establish targets that only God can hit. Right? Like, I remember even starting in ministry saying, well, maybe we'll baptize five today. And then, like, my team would be like, we're going to do 15. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, we can't do it because I want to set a small goal because I'm insecure about meeting it. When there's no insecurity in Christ. Set big goals. We set them too small and we set goals that are too small and we want to achieve them too quickly. Set a big goal where you and your team and your family and your friends, the one that you're walking with, can say, oh, my word, that was only God. Can you believe what God did in that? That was not me. That was not Adam. That was not pastor. That, that was God that showed up in my marriage. Set big goals that only God can accomplish. And I know Pastor Brent's going to have some big goals as a church when he comes back in a few weeks. And I know I want to walk in this season and I want to be fired up and I want God to move like he's never moved before. I have a lot of friends like you guys that need Jesus in their life. And I want to be organized and I want to be prepared so when that opportunity comes, life changed. God wants to work through you. That's enough right there. God wants to work through you. What, me? Yeah, you. He does. What do you want? Big goals. Next one is set a deadline. Oof. Set a deadline, Ooh, that means it might happen. <laughs> that means I have to actually do it. Set a deadline. I don't have to preach this one out. Set a deadline. So he's with the king. The king says, what do you want? 
He has a target. He says, I want to go back and do this. And then the king says, sitting with the queen beside him, asked, how long will your journey or your work take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. The king says, okay, Nehemiah, Mr. Know-it-all, you got it all figured out. How long is it going to take? We find out later it was about 12 years. (laughs) That doesn't encourage you. 12 years. How many of us give up in 12, I was going to say 12 days, but 12 seconds. Right? Set a deadline. Schedule it. You need to have a deadline. Step six. And this one's huge. Just takes a lot of us out. Anticipate the barriers you'll face. Because there's no barriers when you follow Jesus. The enemy doesn't throw anything at us when we're trying to make a plan. Especially a God-ordained plan, right? Anticipate the barriers you'll face. This is proof that he was prepared and he has a plan to accomplish his goals. After the king said, yes, you can go. He says, we'll put the scripture on the screen. He says, he then asked, I love this. Then give me the letters for the governors of the territories west of the river, giving me safe travel to Judah. I also asked for a letter to the keeper of the king's forest. He just keeps going, instructing him to supply me with all the timber I needed to rebuild the gates in the city and the city walls. And why not a house for me to live in? Like he gets the okay of the guy that was going to cut his head off like a few minutes later in this process that he took the risk, right? He had a target. He set a time. He was organized. He was ready. God had, God was, man, things were just lining up. Things were lining up. So we're going to anticipate barriers and he was ready. Are you anticipating the barriers in your life? He was prepared. How do you even know this stuff? Like he, he was ready. This is 800 miles away is where he was going. 800 miles he had to journey and he knew that things were going to happen that he was going to face opposition and as we follow God and as you make these new plans and as you come into this new season as you reboot your life as you're asking God what is the plan his grace and his favor is going to come over you and you will face barriers prime example so you're struggling financially You've struggled financially your whole life. You need $500 to fix your car. I give you $500 to fix your car. You need $500 the next month to fix your car. Now you need money for your rent. Instead of, why don't, I know I have financial trouble. I still need the $500. Why don't I sit down with someone that can actually help me handle this money so when God's favor shows up in my life and frees me from financial burden, I know what to do. What if God showed up in your life and gave you what you were asking for today? You might just miss it. It's like you might have a barrier in your marriage of pornography. You got a barrier in your marriage that is an obstacle and you're not willing to remove the computer. You're not willing to give your wife the passcode. You struggle with addiction and you live with addicts. That's a barrier that needs to be removed. You're selfish, you think about yourself, you wanna spend more time alone, I need this. That is a barrier in your life. You need to anticipate barriers as you're planning. And you need to be prepared. And to me, the best way to be prepared is have godly moms and dads in my life, godly people to walk with that that can encourage me when I'm down, that can lift me up. And I can encourage them because there's just as much life or more encouraging others. Barriers will come. Barriers come in our life. And we see Jesus says, count the cost, right? Before you carry the cross, count the cost. Before, before you follow me and give it all up, before you're my disciple, you better know what it's going to cost you. Jesus knew there was a budgeting and a planning part of life. 
there just is. And I, and I know this is very practical, but this, this, this hit me right between the eyes. When I, it did. When I, I, I was just like, oh, Lord, I don't want to plan it out. I, like, I can't even plan my seven days of vacation because it feels like it goes too fast. Like, I don't want to know what I'm doing the next day because then it's organized and then I have to do it. And, and the reason we feel like that is because Satan, no, he doesn't want you. The enemy is here to cut you down and destroy every good plan God has for you. So it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, God has plans for you, plans to prosper you. So what is the opposite of that? That would be what the enemy wants. He has plans to kill you, plans to destroy you. So God has plans, the enemy has plans, but I don't need plans but I want all this favor in my life. I want God to remove these barriers in my life. I don't even know where I'm going. I don't, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't actually know what God wants to do. My, I haven't even asked God in 16 months what to do. I, I don't know what it is for you. Anticipate the barriers that you'll face and Jesus will show up and he'll be there with you through every one of them. He'll be there with you in the fear. He'll be there with you when the enemy is trying to cut you down. Like Nehemiah, pray, plan, be prepared. Trust God in those situations. That's the last one. God will meet your needs. This could be the first one too. God will meet your needs. Who do you trust? Hopefully not yourself. Who do you trust? The story at the end, Nehemiah, of course, he goes on to build the wall. It's just amazing. And so it's just, it's, I, I encourage you to, to read it, but it says here, because God's gracious favor was on me, the king gave me everything I asked for. Another version says, and because the gracious hand of God was on me, come on, the gracious hand of God is on us. The king granted all my requests. Nehemiah gave God all the glory. Every time. He gave God all the glory. As we come into this new season and God is going to unlock new things in our church and he's going to give us opportunities as believers that we've never had. You guys always make me cry. (laughs) God is doing a work in our staff and he's going to do a work in you that is going to just raise us up as an army. I'm telling you, this is an opportunity that we have and I want to be prepared. Is your heart prepared? Is your mind prepared? Is your soul prepared? Are the barriers being removed in your life? Are you willing to allow God to do a work in you like never before? Are you willing to be vulnerable and honest? Honesty brings what? Opportunity. Where are you at? What is your plan? You know, the season coming into this, and I'm closing as we... um, it's just been, it's been wild. I don't, I don't know if you know my story and I'm not gonna get into it, but I, I, maybe you figured it out. Obviously this guy wasn't always a pastor. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a thing and, I, and just like you, I went up, I get up and went to work every day and don't worry, we still do as pastors, but it looks different. We're here to encourage, help and come alongside of you. But I worked a job and it was hard. And you know what? It was all about me and what I could accomplish in my plan. I only involved God when it was convenient. A lot of problems, a lot of mix-ups, a lot of hurt, 
was caused. God gave me a burden. And I can tell you, when I started to follow that burden, and, I, and you know where that burden came from? From my deepest hurt. There is a city, there is a town, I don't know where you are that you're watching online, that needs you to be healed and ready so he can use your pain to change life. So, you need a burden. The pain that you're feeling right now, the doubt that you're feeling right now, God is going to use that for something great. And we've said this multiple times, but I feel like in this season, don't miss out on this opportunity that God wants to do in and through you. It is going to be awesome. So as I would get up and I would go to work and Julie and I would struggle and it was hard. And like I said, I didn't have a plan. I just picked up the phone and and, and listen, if I was your electrical contractor and you're still waiting for me to come and it's been seven years, I'm sorry. It just was messy. And we were trying, but the burden started to grow in me and started to come and I started to come alive. I started to come alive. And you know, in this past season, God said to me, and I was just struggling the same as you, God, what, what is going on? What can we do? And, and I just felt God say to me, honestly, and I heard a preacher say this just not too long ago, so it's not, not just me. He said, Adam, you make people better. I'll worry about the church. Adam, you, you build people up regardless of what you're doing in a career or a job, and I'll look after the rest. Adam, you, you make people, you shine like me, and I'll make people better. Jesus looks after the church. So I don't know what it is or what call he has on your life, but I know he has one. I know he has one, and, and I'm going to... I'm going to pray right now on a, on a recommitment as we come out of this season. I hope you're hearing me and I hope you're feeling the conviction that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray just new commitment. I'm going to get you to repeat after me. And we're going to pray and God's going to do amazing things. Do you agree with me on that? Do you, do you agree that we need a plan, a God-ordained plan? And we do make plans, but who has the last word? God has the last word. So we adjust and we move and things don't happen, but, but, but we plan and we trust God in those plans. So this week, I want you to get alone with Jesus. We're going to pray, and then this week you're going to get alone with Jesus and you're going to ask him, God, what, what is it you want to do in me and through me? What is it you want to do with this, this pain, this hurt that's been buried for years, or this, this, this hurt or this addiction that I'm in right now? So, so we're going to pray this right now. If you, why don't we stand? We'll pray and then I'll dismiss you. But will you repeat, repeat this in authority with me? Will you? Jesus. Yeah, repeat. Repeat loud, please. Like you, you mean it. Like Jesus. Give me a burden for the lost. Jesus. Restore my passion. Jesus, don't ever let me forget my salvation. Dear God, I will seek your face. I will plan my life with purpose. Jesus, use me anywhere, anytime, in any way you want.
In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm just going to pray a prayer over you. God, we thank you so much for your grace and your love, God. I thank you that you never, ever, 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 ever give up on us. God, I thank you that regardless of our past, we are never disqualified from your glory. God, regardless of our past, we are never disqualified from what you want to do in us and through us. God, right now, just in this moment, I'm believing it is a life-changing moment for us today that as we go, that we will not just leave this message here, God, but we will apply it this week. As we pray and seek your face this week, would you give us revelation? Would you give us hope? And would you give us guidance? For the person that is here that just feels like they can't go on, that feels like that's the end of their rope, they just don't have anything else in them, God, would your favor fall on them now? Would the Spirit fall and rest in them in Jesus' name? Would they receive what you have for them in Jesus' name? Would the barriers start to fall down right now in Jesus' name and rebuild the walls of glory in their life, God, that you would just protect their minds and their hearts? God, we praise you. We love you as a church. Use us, Lord. Use us. Use our weaknesses. Use our brokenness. May we be, may, I, I just picture us as like an old hospital where just, man, just, we're just getting stuff done. Just things are happening. It is messy yet so attractive. It is scary but so attractive and so, so holy. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.